Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now today I want to speak about something that most of us see as insignificant, but it carries so much significance in our lives. It does. Maybe it frustrates, frustrated you all your life. Maybe it irritates you when people use it wrongly. <laughs> Maybe it's like that man's tree in the back of his garden, but you never looked from a different perspective at it. Now, I pray that this message will show us a new perspective on something powerful that the world nowadays sees as insignificant. Something significant in our lives. Now, let me give you the answer with a question. Uh, what am I talking about? And here's the question. The question is, what is your name? What is your name? Think about it. It's Nolowis or Niels or Vivian or Kiran. What is your name this morning? You see, names have been in existence since the start of humanity. And I went and read up about this a bit, where naming came from. But God created this tradition when he named Adam. Because he formed him from the dust of the earth. He formed him. And he called him Adam. Now in the same way, humanity has starting, started actually by giving names since the beginning. Adam actually named Eve. If you went to the scriptures, God called him they. So he actually called Eve also Adam. But Adam called Eve Eve. <laughs> go and look at the scriptures. I, want, I don't want to go into that today. But Adam started naming because there was a significance to it. Now, maybe I can ask, why names? Think about it. Why names? Why not labels or symbols or codes? Welcome, number 747. 3,907,000,000, or whatever. I mean, it would have been ridiculous. But part of the answer is this. And if you go and look at Genesis 1.27... And we all know the scriptures so well. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Now, there's something significant in that. In his own image, God created us. Now, looking at this verse, we know that, that if we were just one or more of God's creations, we would only have one name. So we would have been lion or sparrow, or rabbit. <laughs> Think about it. If, you just, if we were just one more of God's creation, we would have only have one name. That's white lion, black lion, yellow lion, but it's all lion. But because we were the centerpiece of God's creation, that, that centerpiece, the gold thread of God's creation, we have names. It was something different. You see, our names shows our significance in creation. Did you know that? I need to say that again. Did you, do you know that your name shows your significance in God's creation? And I can speak from experience because I was always irritated by my name. Hendrik. My friends had this joke. Hendrik, Hendrik, Hendrik in the awful air. I was always like, man, shut up. 
But I'm like the uh, I'm like the the fourth Hendrik Johannes, and um, yeah, and I'll get later to that. And God had a significant moment with me in my life. Now, our names are an important part of who we are. How can that be? Because it distinguishes us from each other. We know that's Sarah and that's Magda. Otherwise, it would have been Rotenbach, everything. <laughs> but it distinguishes us from each other. Now. Our names are so significant to God. And let me show you why. Isaiah 43, verse 1, there's a prophetic word that went out and God said, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. But then he says, I have called you by name. Isn't that powerful? Where God says that I have called you by name. That means that when you were named Francois, God was there in the naming process. Isn't that powerful? He called you by name. See, the scripture says that every one of our names on earth have a meaning to the Lord. He values your name. He values Salome. He values Noloiso. He values your name whenever it is said. But he values it so much that Revelation says the following. We don't read the Revelations a lot, the book of Revelations. But l listen to the scripture, Revelations 2, verse 17. I'm just reading from a New Living Translation. It says... To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone. And on the stone I will engrave a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. That's a powerful scripture. It's something that you can meditate on. But God says that I value you so much. I value the relationship that I have with you so much, but one day I will give you a white stone and I will engrave a name on there that only me and you will know. Isn't that powerful? That God values a name so much that one day He will value our relationship with you, with me, that He will give us something that only we have between each other. That's beautiful. You see, God created every one of us with a personal, with a, with a goal to have a personal relationship, but not just a personal relationship, something that will last into eternity. Isn't that powerful? Think about that. But there's not just value and meaning in our names. Did you know that? There's not just value and meaning, there is also power to your name. Power. My name, your name is powerful. Now let's look at some amazing truth that shows the power in our names. Can I? Now one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's something that most people miss in this moment, and it's when Jesus was on earth, there was a, lost, a lot of constant speculation if he really was the Messiah or not. There was a constant speculation. Is he the Messiah or is he just another Elijah? Is he not a prophet? Is he, is he not just the new John the Baptist? Now, this, the, uh, to be honest, the disciples constantly doubted as well <laughs> that they did. Let me prove it. Jesus came to a place, and there was, there was thousands of people around him. They were hungry. And he said to the disciples, the disciples actually came to him and said, listen, the people are hungry. And he said, well, you feed them. And they said, with what, Jesus? There's like, the, the scripture says 5,000 people, which was more because the Bible only counted men. So there was probably 10 to 12,000 people in a moment when he says 5,000 because women and children usually was more. 
And Jesus said, you feed them. And one disciple said, well, we only have five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring it. So he multiplies the five loaves and two fishes and fed the 5,000, which was probably 12,000 people. They gathered 15 baskets of, of uh, leftovers. Mighty miracle. And he didn't do it once. He did it twice in two different stories. But right after that story, the mighty miracles, the disciples. I mean, Jesus didn't hand out the bread and the fish. The disciples did. So the miracle happened in their hands, in their hands, as they handed it out. You have a, you have a piece of loaf and you just give, and it, and it, never, it never stops. So in their hands, the, the, the miracle happened. After the, the, the moment, of the miracle moment, they got into the boat to the other side of the lake. And during the night, Jesus was sleeping in a boat. There was a storm. The waves crashed over the boat. The disciples, which was fishermen, were crying of fear for their lives. Now, if a fisherman cries out in fear that he would lose his life, it is not a normal storm. <laughs> it is a big storm. A big storm. And they woke Jesus up, and he stood up, and with three words, he quieted the storm. He said, quiet, be still. And the waves and the storm, everything went dead. And then the disciples turned to him, and they turned to each other and said, who can this man be? That he can quiet the waves and the wind. I was like, listen, let me just, if I were there, I was like, let, let's just back up quickly. Didn't you just see a mighty miracle in your hands? <laughs> and now when Jesus commanded the wind and waves to quiet down, now you doubt again. It's like, who can this man be? You see, there was a story and it, it was a constant thing of, is this the, the real Messiah? Now, during the three years with Jesus, I think the disciples, as the story went on, they started to realize the truth. That he was not just another prophet. He was not just another Elijah. He was not just another John the Baptist. He was the true Messiah. He was the true Messiah. Now, the night when Jesus was arrested, before he went to the cross, the following happened. They were in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. We all know Jesus sweated blood. He prayed alone. And then we go to John 18. Now we're going to read this quick story. John 18, verse 1 to 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there quickly. But it's something you need to see. Because I think most of us read over this and we never see this. So Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And then he, he got up and, and this happened. Verse 1, John 18, verse 1. It says, and I'm reading from NIV. He says, when he had finished praying, Jesus just prayed. He had this intense moment with God. Then he says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden. And he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, was bet who betrayed him, knew the place. Because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Jesus, J Judas came to the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. Now, different translation says he had a band of soldiers. So there was a band of soldiers with Judas and the Pharisees. They all came together to arrest Jesus. Then it says further, it says, they were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Now, Jesus, knowing that they were going, what was going to happen, he came to them. So what actually the scripture says, Jesus walked to the gate of the Garden of Gethsemane. And he waited for them. And he says, he went out and he asked them, who is it you want? 
Jesus, um, who is it you want? Jesus said. So they said, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And then Jesus said, I am he. And Judas the traitor was standing within in their midst. Now when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now just stop there. <laughs> what a powerful moment. Jesus came. Firstly, l- let me firstly say, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees got a band of soldiers together. Now a band in that time, a band or a, or a, what is it, a detachment was, a, a, was a, a, um, a military force or a, um, well, say a squadron of soldiers. But it's not just a small co- squadron that we think. It was 600. So a band of soldiers in the Roman, le- uh, Roman legion was 600 soldiers. 600. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's like filling up this whole parking lot. 600 soldiers with Pharisees, with torches, with weapons. Now in that moment when Jesus proclaimed his name, when he says, I am he, all 600 of them, everybody, fell under the power of God. In that moment. Did you know that? I mean, for me, that's a, that's a moment that I, like, whoa, let me just pause here. In that moment, what would I have done when I was a Pharisee? And I come, we're going to arrest you, we're going to crucify you, we're going to show people that you are a fake, you are a blasphemer, you are this. And Jesus says, where is Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth, sorry. And he says, I am he. Poof, everybody fell under the power of God. They, just, they didn't trip over each other. They didn't think, oh, goodness, here are you. No, no, they literally fell under the power of God. See, in that moment, Jesus declared that he was the Son of God. He was deity. It says, I am he. That means that I am God. I'm going to prove it to you now. The scripture says, says when Jesus said, I am he, the, the, the little word he in the King James wor- Version was in italics. Now, when anything in the scripture is in, is in italics, it means that it was added later by the translators. So what Jesus actually said, he says, I am. That's what he said. I am. Now this is exactly what God said to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus. Remember that? Let's read it quickly. Exodus 3, verse 13 to 14. It says, Moses said to God, now listen, Moses standing, there's a bush that's burning that, that doesn't burn out, and he's looking at this bush, and God is speaking from the bush. And he says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And that's what God just God just said, I want you to go to Egypt, save my people. And then Moses said this, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, verse 13 to 14, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Moses asked. So God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? You see, since Jesus was God manifested in the flesh in front of them, his statement, I am, carried just as much weight as that day when God said to Moses, I am. Same thing. See, this was not just 
um, th th this was nothing less than, than the Almighty God releasing His glory through that powerful statement, I am. That's why the men couldn't stand up. That's why everybody was knocked to the ground when God's glory was released, when Jesus said, I am. We actually said, I am God. I'm the Son of God. See, this illustrates how Jesus could have very, e very easily defeated himself, or defeated any size army. He could have been a million soldiers, and they would have been knocked over. Now, I, would, I mean, it, it baffles my mind to know that, yeah, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a man of God. I'm, I'm the man of the Lord. That's what they call themselves. They come. We have 600 soldiers. We're going to arrest this blasphemer. And he says, where is Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth. Where, what is wrong with my, my tongue this morning? And he says, I am he. And I'm underground. How did I get here? Wouldn't you think, man, that, what, what happened? That's quite powerful. That must, this must be God. But they stood up and they still arrested him. Why? Because it was prophesied that Jesus had to die on a cross. Jesus couldn't be taken. He couldn't be taken. Any size army could have came and he said, his, the power of God could have annihilated any army. See, that, that's why I believe that Jesus couldn't be taken. He gave himself. He gave himself. Nobody could. And then right after that, the cross and the grave followed. And Paul summarizes this in Philippians 2 with six verses. He summarizes a powerful thing. He said what Jesus did. I'm reading from New Living Translation, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. I'm almost done. It says the following. It says, you must have been the same, sorry, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave it up. And then he said, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. I'm fighting against these guys today. Are they cheering? Oh, yay. Thank you. So then he said, let me read again. He said, instead he gave up his divine privileges, speaking about Jesus. Then he says, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Now, let me, let me just, he said, he took the position of a slave. Now, this is very important. Let me ask you a question. Does any slave have an identity? No. Do a slave's name have authority? Absolutely not. You are nothing. You are a means to your use. In that time, when Paul wrote this, slaves were worked to death and then discarded and they just get a new slave. There was not, hey, this is John, my slave. I'm so happy. I mean, he's so amazing. We love him. No, no. Slave, come here. They don't even know his name. So he took the position as a slave. That means, uh, means meant he gave his whole identity, his name as God. He gave everything up so he was nothing, so that we can be someone. Now let's read on. Verse 9, Philippians 2, verse 9. It says, Therefore, because of this, 
that Jesus has done. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, and then he gave him the name that is above any all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God to the Father. Wow. What a gift. What a gift. Jesus gave up everything. He gave up his whole identity. And God says, because you gave up your divinity, your divinity, your, your, the power as creator with me, I will give you the name that is above any other name, and I will call you Jesus. I will call you Jesus. You see, God elevated Jesus' name above any other, any other name. Now, this is a revelation that, that I think we daily need to get into our hearts. We need to almost press that thing so that it never leaves. I mean, it's like pressed down, shaken together, running over. It needs to be settled in our heart that Jesus has the name above every other name. See, from an identity of a slave to the highest honor. To the highest honor. Jesus was not only being exalted above every being that has a name, but he is also highly exalted or exalted above anything else that can be named. So whatever you name, Jesus is above that. Anything. If you put a name to it, Jesus is above it. <laughs> that means every sickness, Jesus is above it. Every poverty, Jesus is above it. Depression, Jesus is above it. Anger, Jesus is above it. Any name or thing, Jesus is above it. Why? Because God gave him that. Everything has to bow its knee to the lordship of Jesus, of that moment. Now, what is my point today? You must, might be wondering. <laughs> what is my point? There's so much power in our names. There's so much power in your name. Now, this morning we have each got a sticker, and I don't know if all of you have a sticker. Now, that sticker... It's not just something cool. It's got your spiritual meaning of your name on it. That's what it is. That is what your name actually means, spiritually. So mine is trusted ruler. So, so this is what, what I, what the thing that God shifted in my heart. I'm Hendrik Johannes Bota. A lot of names. Now Hendrik actually means trusted ruler of the household. Johannes means, or John means, God is gracious. And as soon as I realized that thing in my life, I was never, I always wanted to nickname. <laughs> I always wanted to nickname. All my friends had cool nicknames except me. I always wanted to nickname until one day God arrested me with this. Look, say, Henny, but do you know what it means when someone calls your name? Do you know? See, it's not just something motivational. It's not just something, oh, I... I know who you are. I'm calling you out by your name so that you can know I'm calling you. Yes, that is also a, a reason, but there's so much more significance to this. See, every time someone say your name, they declare that over your life. So Uncle Vivian, when I say Vivian, it says joyous spirit. I'm calling that over your life. When somebody says Saluami, they say peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. 
There's something over your life that when, they, when somebody say that, that's what they're declaring. You see where I'm getting? We think it's something insignificant, but it has got so much significance in your life. See, there's so much power in our names that the enemy will try without stop, without stop, to keep us from inheriting that promise of your name. It does. I, I truly. See, our name is a promise and a prophecy over our lives every day. Every day. The enemy don't stop. He, he doesn't want us to stand up in that prophetic calling of the promise in your name. Now, if I look at names, it's all over. I mean, I meet people. I love the meaning of names. Whenever I do a, a wedding or I, I see the names of people, I, I want to give them a blessing. I want to speak over their lives. But every time I see someone's name and I see the meaning of that name and I ask them, is that true in your life? And they say, yeah, not, not always. So I'm, I'm just using it as an example. So, so my wife's name is Salome. It means peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. So I come to someone, it's like, peace, wow. Are you a peaceful person? Man, I struggle with it. I'm not saying she is. I'm just saying as an example. <laughs> my, name between, my, my name means trusted ruler of the household, owner of property. That's Hendrik. That's actually the Hendrik, Henry, all that that means. But since my great-great-great-grandfather, they have lost property all the way through. The one thing that is prophesied over your name that are you supposed to be, that is the one challenge in your life that the enemy tries to take it from you. And I said to my wife this weekend, said, it, it, this, is, this thing is going to stop with my generation. That my children will see property in their lives. Why? Because my name, is th that is prophesied over my name. It is prophesied over my name. You see, when, when somebody says ray of light, it's so amazing. Ray of light, bringer of light. <laughs> it's amazing. But you will be light in people's lives. See, it's a prophecy. It's something that God is prophesying over your life today that you are that. And not just you are that. He will do that in your life. He will do that in your life. The enemy hates it when you know the meaning of your name. Now, there's so many examples in the, in the word that proves this, and I'm going to end with this. Gideon, the, 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 the guy Gideon, I don't know if you know the story in, in the Bible, but Gideon was afraid and terrified of the enemy. What did he do? He sat in a hole hiding from the enemy not to take his weed. So he was crashing weed. And, and if you know the story of Gideon, he literally, he was afraid, terrified, when an angel appeared to him and said, mighty man of valor. And he started moaning and complaining. You know what was Gideon's meaning of the name Gideon? Victorious. The enemy wanted him to sit in a hole because he didn't want him to be, be victorious. And what did Gideon do? When he started realizing who he is, he defeated a million soldiers with 300 men. See, we carry the power of a calling and a promise in our name. We do. But what if our life is messed up and marked by failure? Let me just throw it out there. See, Eni, this is fantastic. You're saying all these wonderful things, and it's amazing, but, but my name means this, but or my, my name means actually... 
I did a wedding one day and somebody's main name was Mari. And Mari actually means Mara, which means bitter. <laughs> so what if my name means bitter? And God spoke to me and said, but medicine is bitter. And when you take medicine, it's got a great effect on your body. So you will be like medicine in people's lives. And, and But what if you have seen tough things, heartache, real challenging times in your life? Henny, what about that? I mean, I've been calling my name, never knew, but but my life my life has been marked by failure. Now Abram, before he became Abraham, was Abram. And Abram meant father. But God had a calling over his life that he will be the father of nations. He would be the father of multitudes. And after waiting for this promise for 99 years, now this is not just the name that people spoke. This was a promise that God gave him face to face. And after 99 years, he waited, waited, and God appeared to him and said, I'm now changing your name to Abraham, which means father of nations. And within six months, Isaac was born. There was a moment of change. There was a moment of change. Jacob. Remember the guy Jacob? No, God took Jacob. Jacob means liar and cheat. <laughs> that's, that's not a great, a great meaning to a name. Liar and cheat. And if you look at the story, he came out of his, he was, uh, he was one of twins. And he came out of the womb with holding onto his brother's ankle. And he cheated his way all through time until he had a wrestle with God. He had a wrestle with an angel. And he didn't stop wrestling and said, I would not let you go until you bless me. See, he gave, God gave him the name, then at that moment, God gave him the name Israel after he fought for significance and blessing. I'm not saying God needs to change your name today if it is you. But if you feel like Abraham or you feel like Jacob, there's great news for us. There's great news for you. And this is it. Are you ready? I'm ending with this. Galatians 2 verse 20. It says, Paul writes this again. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in, in, in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when we identify with what Jesus did for us on the cross, we step into that identity. And we really and, and, and we really start to identify with what we are called to. So maybe you you call Jacob, cheat and liar. Or maybe you have a, 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 a history in your life of failure and things in your life, no matter how much people called me blessed or or gifted, or whatever, I've had failure in my life. But Jesus said, listen, no matter what you've gone through, you have been crucified with me. It's no longer you that lives, it's me that lives in you. And on that day, when God gave Jesus the name above every other name, every other name, Jesus came and he stamped his name over your name. He stamped his name over your name, said no matter what your name means, I'm just bringing more to it. And if your name means failure or whatever, I'm stamping my authority, my identity over your name today that says that I'm making you successful. 
I'm making you successful. Maybe you look at the meaning of your name today and you think, oh, I don't believe it. It can't be me. This is not, it can't be me, Lord. I mean, I, I will never reach this. I will never be this. Jesus says, yes, you might not, but because of what I've done, you will be successful. That's why I'm stamping my name over your name today. I'm stamping my authority, my identity over your name today. That means that when people say John or Henny or whatever your name is, it's, it's, it's saying that Jesus has done it. He has already done it. He has done it. So when I say Salome, <laughs> it means peace because Jesus paid for it. it he has. When I say sorrow, I s it says led by God because Jesus has done it. He will lead you in everything you've done. That's why I'm calling my kids names every now and then knowing that that's what God has called them into. They call them. We know our kids' names. The one is Shammai. It means God is present. Praiser. Appraiser. Shenai means grace. It means beauty and, and um, yeah, beauty. So when we call that over their lives, we know that when I call it, I know that Jesus paid the price, therefore they will be that. See, everything is seen through His name. Everything. I want to encourage you this morning. If you look at your name, maybe all of you have seen what, I've, what, what we've pasted on you. And, and it's not the full meaning, it's just some of it. When God says victorious, Noloiso, victorious, that means that you are victorious. When he says rock, Peter, strong, solid. When he says, what does yours say? Determined. That means that God is determined to make it work. God is determined to make things work. God is determined to bless you. God is determined in everything. Everything that you see on your name, that means that every time people say it over you, God was present when you were named. That means that there is blessing over your name. And this morning, I want to encourage you with a very simple word, but it can be very significant in your life from where you look at it, how you look at it, and how you think about your name. I, I was, um, just the last story, I was the, the, the almost called the spiritual leader or the, the sports psychologist of... Um, and Potchestrom at the Spook Rugby Institute. And about 600 guys study rugby there. That's what they do. They study rugby. Yes, you can actually do that. <laughs> they come there to play rugby, but they study as well. So they live in all this course, uh, two or three dormitories. And, um, and I was the guy who, who they checked in. I, I gave spiritual oversight. Uh, I, just, uh, I was so privileged. See, many of the men came to Christ, got healed. But there was a thing in it that Kusais and that dormitory that they they gave nicknames. That's what they do. This one was called Otter and that one was called Tuarang and that one was called Grotvark and that was hectic. I mean it was ridiculous. <laughs> and there was names that I can I can't even say that today. And they carried that names. Even today people will shout that some of the guys will shout that hey Gulo so and so. Yeah you will know Niels. But what I did, when I got this revelation, I walked in and said, what's your name? No, my name is Bucky's. No, 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 what's your real name? What do you mean? No, I want to know what your real name is. And the, f the look on their face was that, oh, wow. 
you really want to know my, my real name? And I made a point of it to remember their real name and tell them, hey, Johan, hey, Peter. And I spoke to them with their real names because I couldn't say, hey, blessed, because it's a rugby culture. But if I say Sorrel or Johan, or I know that I was speaking truth over their lives. I was speaking serious prophetic callings over their lives. And I want to speak that over you today. And I want to, I wanna, as, we, as we pray today, I want you maybe just to put your hand on your name this morning. And we're going to pray now. Maybe you can stand with me. And we're going to pray and we're going we're gonna to end this morning. So Father, I thank you that as we say standing here today that, that you were involved in the process of us being named. Lord, you love having an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And Father, I thank you that this morning that we proclaim the truth of our names today over our lives. Wherever the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy, your word says in John 10 that he, you have come to give life. And I wanted today to speak life over your name. And Lord, if it was a maybe insignificant something, may it become significant in our lives. May it become a significant moment when we call our names and speak our names and know that you have called us to do prophetic things. You called us to be victorious, to be blessed, to be gracious, to be led by God, to be righteous, Father, to be trusted, to be a light bringer. Father, whatever our name means, that you are in it and that we declare it in our lives. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.